0: details.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. I'm so happy to have Janina Gavankar on the show. We get to talk about so many of the cool projects you've worked on over the years, but this is in celebration of Big Sky Season 2 and you are something else in it. You own that role. Thanks, dude. Thank you. I- mean it it is a delight seeing you play that character thank you so you have been warned this is our ladies night dice tower I've got eight random questions here and I roll the die three times and whatever we get that's where we start at least and so I guess this is my version of blind rolling like you have to trust me that I'm not cheating and picking a different question it's true it's true but you know what trust fall let's go I feel like you've probably been asked this a million times over the years, but I don't care because I enjoy thinking about it. If you were living in the Star Wars universe, what role would you want to fill? You know, Jedi, Sith, Empire, running a cantina somewhere. Where would you be? Now, you know that I I have worked in the Star Wars galaxy before. Yes. yes. Okay, great.
0: Because it's very hard to imagine anything once you've figured out once you've played somebody in the galaxy and she lives within you, it's very hard to think that you could possibly be anything else. Um, because I very specifically, uh, well, she's kind of got too lot. Li- okay. This is a, this is the sort of weird answer. This is the weird answer. Gosh, your editor's going to have to cut this down. Okay. <laughs> um, because Iden Versio, the character that I play in the Star Wars galaxy has a bit of both sides, the dark side and the light side. Um, I'll tell you this: I really enjoy when I do have her thoughts still. I enjoy um, really thinking about what her the, what working for the empire is like. so um, <laughs> my allegiance, if you will, is still to our Lord Vader. <laughs>
1: I don't judge you, and I kind of understand this, it wasn't until I read Lost Stars that I realized that being a part of the Empire isn't necessarily a bad thing, and someone's drive to become a part of it can be a very understandable path to take. Yeah,
0: I mean, we've we've all met people who blindly follow things that maybe aren't great, um, but in terms of Aiden's life, she learned a lot of really beautiful skills and has a lot of pride in her exactness and all the things that she derived from her family's focus. So even when she becomes a rebel, I we haven't seen any of this, but like in my heart and mind, she has a whole life where she's really annoyed by the fact that she had to be a rebel for the rest of her life because my gosh, they're messy. <laughs>
1: i would believe this i read the book i i know a
0: little bit about her all right roll number two now okay wait you read what you read battlefront t- would you what'd you read yeah rogue squadron Infa- inferno right squad title? you read the book Inferno-S- inferno inferno Squad. you read it yeah. Like, didn't me, why, did why did you start this whole thing this way? Why did you tell me that? Did you listen to it or did you read it? Are
1: you judging me already reading listening I can't no. because I got to do the audiobook. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I am obsessed with audiobooks. And every time I say to someone, I've read a book, they're like, You didn't read it. You just read the audiobook. I I'm agree. like, You're missing I out. I agree. I have the ADHD affliction.
0: So, reading is incredibly difficult, and uh, thank God that, you know, we're born in a generation that has been gifted the industry of the audiobook, because that means you can just get through more.
1: Not to make this all about Star Wars, but another really cool thing about Star Wars audiobooks in particular is, like, you get performance through it, but also they get to incorporate a lot of the music and the sound effects, and it really just, it, it gives you such a full experience. The entire
0: Lucasfilm library of music and sound design is at the fingertips of the producers and directors that do the audiobooks. It's incredible.
1: That's why I keep listening to them. What did I roll? I rolled a seven. Okay. Seven is movie and TV skills. If you could learn a new skill or about a different profession through a role, what would you want it to be and why? Through a role? Gosh,
0: so much. So much. I my, okay. My creative partner's name is Russo. You're gonna hear his name a few times. So Russo just told me this thing. He texted me. Was like, did you know that Daniel Day Lewis became such a good boxer that he 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 like qualified to be a just a, a professional boxer or something because he beat so many professional boxers in his training somebody please fact check this please because maybe he was just trolling me to make me feel bad about my own aptitude so anybody who's watching this you could just uh right into the show that'd be great um okay so what could I I'd love to yeah I want to learn how to box I want to learn how to uh I gotta learn how to power wash later because I borrowed my friend's power washer um maybe a maybe a botanist Oh, I know what I want to learn how to, I should learn, I should play somebody who knows how to take, um, houses off grid. That's one thing I want to learn how to do. Yes. I have this dream of like owning a church in chicago but also knowing how to make it fully carbon neutral i've just realized recently i want to be that weird 70 year old lady who lives in the the catacombs of a church and opens its doors to like select few young artists so they can like do pop-up galleries i want to i want to do that
1: i believe you can do it believe you can do anything you want (laughs) appreciate we got one more roll in the game okay number one High low, can you give me one audition high and one audition low? Oh yeah, so many lows, Uh, high.
0: People have to remain nameless in this story. Um, If there are any people who are actors or who want to be actors, this is something you either know or you will learn. Um, Some of the best work you do is in the auditions for parts you'll never get because they went to somebody more famous or somebody who, all of the things, right? has nothing to do with you. And your job is to just leave it on the table, no matter what. And I I screen tested for a pretty amazing project uh, across from somebody pretty incredible that I was just honored to be in the same room as. And uh, it was just one of those magical moments where you just step outside of yourself and feel somebody else's life. And then I didn't get it. But the fact is that that still it was like being icarus you just fly really close to the sun and even though nobody's really gonna get to see it i mean it didn't happen so that's a high yeah you just try your best you know um and then lows uh oh god okay so recently <sighs> wait just specifically auditions or career highs and career lows
1: I made this an audition question. Okay. okay, If if you want to open it up, feel free.
0: Okay. Uh, No, we'll keep it. Okay. So, (laughs) so I auditioned for a film that came and went. I mean, even if I, it just felt like it was going to be such a big deal to me. I don't know why I put so much pressure on it. And I knew the director, I had worked with him uh, as an actor a million years ago, but I, I don't know, I think I was just having a major, uh, like brain badness, anxiety day or something. I just could not quell the, the gerbils in the brain. And I came in and I just was like, so obsessed with the haircut that I wanted for this character that I just kept talking about the haircut and I could not actually focus on who the work the actual character like no character is just a haircut and i'm one of the first people to say that so i just i don't know i just kept like to the point where i think about it even now and i think in the shower like why couldn't i stop talking about the hairstyle it was actually like uh I don't even know what it's called, but Liberty Spikes or something. I just wanted to shave all of this and just have like punk Liberty Spikes. And I was so obsessed with it. It's all I could see in my brain for her. I just couldn't shut up. Uh,
1: So there's that. I very much understand thoughts like that never going away and creeping up on you over and over again. The worst. All right. Let's get into the meat of it. Okay. Let's go back to the very, very beginning. What is the movie, the performance, the personal experience, you name it, that first made you say, I have to be an actor?
0: I was Maria in West Side Story, Every Brown Girl's Dream. And I was in a rehearsal and I reached out to the guy playing Tony. I didn't even particularly like him, but I felt my heart break into a million pieces. Real heartbreak. I was sixteen. What the hell did I know about heartbreak? But I felt somebody else. I felt her life. And I was so far from wanting to be an actor at that point. I was a very serious musician and it rocked me.
1: What kind of music do you play?
0: So I studied classical piano, orchestral and marching percussion, and classical voice. Oh my.
1: I feel like you need a role that lets you use that skill set.
0: Yeah, someone wanna write it for me, sure. Actually, there's some reference to piano in Big Sky. So, Ren definitely plays the piano. Maybe she will in a future episode.
1: I like hearing that. So, when did the thought process switch from, you know, I'm enjoying doing this for fun and my focus is on music, to I need to commit and make this my career? Uh, So, so
0: I did that, I did that musical. I had that moment. I sort of told my mom, I really think I might want to try this. And, um, that summer, this was between my junior and senior year of high school. I auditioned for a drum corps called Phantom Regiment or like a top 10 drum corps. If you know what drum corps is, I do. then I'll see you. And, um, but I also got into a summer semester at Yale was like an intensive with their undergrad department, their drama department. So I, I took that opportunity because I was like, I can march next year. And then I never marched. And I only, and I, that was the moment I got my butt kicked at Yale. And then I came back and I was like, yeah, it feels right.
1: After doing that program at Yale, did that inspire you to do another program in, uh, you know, undergrad or beyond? Yeah. So, so after that, I kind
0: of realized, oh, I think this, this might really be it. And then for undergrad, I, I was a theater major and then like a dual minor in music and psychology. So that was what I did in college.
1: How did, I guess, barbershop come along? Is that the kind of situation where you were just like on the audition grind and that thing kind of hit?
0: Yeah, you know, when you're in Chicago, or any second market, as, it, as they're called, you just kind of are at the mercy of whatever comes to town. And barbershop was a really big moment for us in Chicago. <laughs> it was a pretty big deal. We were all the locals who got to say precisely one line, or in my case, two words. And um, But the really wonderful thing about that was that I met Michael Ely, and the two words that I said, hi, Ricky, I said to Michael and we became friends and that was 20 years ago, almost. Is that 20? No, it's like 18. Oh God. It's a long time ago. Um, and yeah, look it up. Look it up. And, you know, my, he became, he was the only person I knew when I moved to LA. He picked me up from the airport.
1: That makes me so happy. <laughs>
0: It's like this most wonderful thing. His wife is one of my best friends. It's just, you know, you just, you just think like, wow, it's such a, such a big career moment. I get to be in a real movie and you don't realize that you're, you're going to meet somebody that you might potentially know forever.
1: In addition to that, like small role, you made a lifelong friend out of it. On top of that, they brought you back for the next barbershop movie and you went on to work with Tim Story again. So like clearly a lot was happening there yeah well that's the funny thing you know
0: if you are lucky enough to sustain a career and and you're just kind of a nice person (laughs) you'll end up working with a lot of the same people again
1: i like hearing that because that means it's like even more deserving and i feel like more people out there should take that approach to uh lengthening their careers also we live in a world where you kind of
0: can't be an asshole forever right so you know Everybody can do background checks on everyone and ask how their experience was working with you. So it kind of behooves you to kind of, to be a per, bigger person.
1: I like keeping that thought in the back of my mind always. Yeah. So early on, you had a whole bunch of, you know, one or two episode roles on a couple of pretty big shows. Was there anything you saw on any of those sets very early on that, you know, you really appreciated and then wanted to apply to your work when you got a bigger role on The L Word? So I worked on the L word first.
0: I think I had said like maybe one sentence on television before I got the L word. It was crazy. Yeah. I I don't know how the heck I lucked out. I think it was just a pure survival that I came in guns a-blazing and they hired me, which is really, really wonderful. But the the thing that, the, the best thing that could have ever happened to me was that I was Straight out of theater school, and I had access to women like Jennifer Beals and Annabella Ciora, and I was around Sybil Shepherd and Marley Matlin, and most of all, Pam Greer. And Miss Pam Greer was a godsend because she had, she, I mean, for all, Everybody knows why. I don't have to go on forever. She had been disruptive just by existing for decades and decades, ever before I even had thought that I had there was space for me. Right? And suddenly I, I could have conversations with her about identity in a way that I, I look back now and you know, people have these conversations now all the time, but They were very rare back then to be able to have with, let alone a legend. And this many years later, I'm working in Albuquerque on Big Sky. She just moved to Santa Fe. So I just saw her again. You know, it's like we just had lunch. We hung out with our horses. So that was the real thing, was that I got to learn from her and her very zoomed out perspective. And I have carried that with me. It's probably one of the reasons that I'm still working.
1: We've barely even scratched the surface of your work. You have some of the best collaborations out there. Oh, thanks. That's, uh, yeah, I'm lucky. All right, where do we go next? How about True Blood? Could anything in the world prepare you for stepping into the True Blood universe and meeting the True Blood fandom? Oh, my goodness.
0: Uh, wow. Ooh. No? No. I mean... Well, you have to remember, I'm a geek, right? So if anybody out there knows me, I'm a gamer, I'm like generally geeky, I have things that I'm obsessed with. So I understand the feeling that sort of like the, the not being able to hold back the water falling out of the dam that you have for something. So... Um, so true like I, I understand the feeling and I just respect it and I identify with it. Right. So I was never, and again, I don't really take these things personally because I came in, in the fourth season. It was already a, it was the biggest show on television before I got there. It had nothing to do with me. I was just really happy to be there. And at this point it was really special, <sighs> you know, Deborah Ann Wall is my dungeon master. And I'm still friends with so many of the cast, and I started a podcast production company, and our first podcast is *Truest Blood*, which we're making for HBO. And Deborah and Kristen Bauer, who played Pam, are the hosts. So it's really just like a—I mean, come on! It's just like—could it be more special? <laughs>
1: I have more True Blood questions, but given, given, again, how amazing a lot of these collaborations and how a lot of them have sparked long-lasting friendships, what do you do when you hit the set and a collaborator, whether it was was like a showrunner or a co-star, doesn't meet your expectations for how (laughs) you like to work with someone? What do you do to try (laughs) to change that or to make the most of it? Who?
0: There are so many options. The first thing you have to remember is that everything is temporary. So even the longest lasting production is gonna be a decade of your life and then you're done. And if you're making it to a decade, you're making so much money, shut up and go cry in your mansion, okay? So that's one, have a little perspective number two if it's somebody that's just like not really down to play um i mean i've done a few different things <laughs> i've um you know you still have to do your job my favorite theater teacher in uh theater school is this bulgarian actor named Yassen payankov he's like part of the steppenwolf company it's awesome i got to watch him in shows when I was in theater school. And the thing he said to me was like, not to me. (laughs) Tells you who I was in theater school. I'm like, everything is being said straight into my brain. Uh, but he, you know, one of the things he said in class was some days you feel it. Sometimes you don't still got to do your job. Um, but if somebody is specifically being an asshole to the crew, specifically, uh, I have a thing I have done in the past as a guest star on somebody else's show is on my coverage, which means the camera's on you. I'm telling you all the bad stuff now. Uh, On my coverage, which means the camera's on you and it's over their shoulder while they're being a baby, is as soon as they say uh, set, sounds speeding, which means they're rolling, I look right down the barrel to all of the people at home in the studio. And I just do this because they need to know that something's wrong and they should check in on this production. I don't have to say anything. It's just important that
1: they know that there's maybe one bad apple in the bunch. You say doing bad stuff. But I'm okay with that bad stuff if it comes with a good purpose, and that most certainly does. Yeah, because it takes 100 people to get through the day. And, and
0: um, you know, again, there's just we're in an era where you can't get away with it forever.
1: And I want to be a part of that change. I like hearing that. We need more voices like yours out there pushing yeah. that more. Back to True Blood. Sure. I was reading an old interview that you did. and Oh, God. You were talking about. Already cringing.
0: What did (laughs) I say?
1: I do the same thing when I go back and read old reviews and interviews. I always feel bad when I bring that up, but it was, it was a very well said interview, but you were talking about uh, how Luna was going to get killed off and, you know, like initially going in thinking you were just going to be a part of it for one season. And then you shoot something for the end of season five, but then they trash that and they bring you back for an episode of season six. And it's just, it's so much more fluid than I would imagine a show like that being in that respect. So Mm -hmm. what was it like going on that ride and having things change? changed like that on you? It happens all the
0: time. You know, um, even on big sky there, you have to remember that, you know, big sky is an example, right? Um, our scripts are 50 pages for what is going to be a 42 minute show. That's all you get. Every page pretty much equals a minute. So that means at least eight minutes of this thing gotta go. So you shoot a lot of stuff that you know isn't going to make it. And um, it's just really what is best for the story. That's it. That is paramount. And um, especially with a character like Luna, who was there to support Sam Merlot's storyline, it's not about me. You know, you have to go into these things with very little ego and then you're just pleasantly surprised along the way.
1: Thinking about uh, applying that to Big Sky, is there anything that you shot that wound up being in those uh, cut eight minutes that you wish people would know about Ren? Oh, yeah. We just found out that two
0: scenes that we shot in I think the next episode are gone. (laughs) <laughs> and the fans that are out there ca- will be able to like look at the press photos and then watch the episode and be like, nobody wore these costumes. I'm so curious. <laughs> where, 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 where were these conversations? What were they talking about in these scenes? Um, and it's some of the most fun stuff. It's so sad because it's just character work and it's relationship stuff. But this show is duel and Hoyt and there are a lot of moments of thriller and and mystery and that is paramount so it's what's best for the story very understandable you like listen the fans love the show because of how fast-paced it is so much they burn through so much story so much happens each episode so you know what like that's the tone that is the show and even though we'd love to all sit around and be our characters and have a little gab you got to get to the point you know,
1: it's true. It's true. Before I even uh, binge the show, heard about its popularity. I'm like, what is it about this thing? Like, why are people so obsessed with it? Then I started binging it, and I got so caught up in the pace and the energy. of The, the pace series, is insane. And the two of them. I mean, they're just like they're, oh, such powerhouse leads. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very catchy. Very quickly. Before we get too far into Big Sky. I did want to ask a little bit about your experience jumping into Arrow, and I'm most curious about your expectations for joining a show like that, because I know it got off to a very, very strong start, but even back then, the CW-verse was nothing mm-hmm. like what it is now.
0: Yeah. Um, when they called and and were like, do you want to come to Vancouver? I was like, well, I... Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I. Oh, that's what it was. So they called and they they were like, "Come to Vancouver, watch the pilot." And the pilot is so masterful. If anybody out there is trying to learn how to launch an entire universe, watch the pilot of Arrow. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah. It hands it to you on a platter. Um, and also I I. Well, okay, there's, that's, that's the answer there. Um, it's also really exciting to be a part of the, the start of something and, you know, like they hadn't really set what the show was yet. So I just, I was like, yeah, sure. I'm I'll, I'll come, come on up. And (laughs) it's funny you say that because, um, this is not part of your question, but so Stephen Amell is in a, a show called Heels and, uh, I've been super into wrestling recently because, um, the The wrestler Jinder Mahal, known as Jinder Mahal, is on Big Sky, and I reached out to him to actually like ask if he was interested in even being an actor, so then th- we could put him on the show. It's like a whole there's a the whole massive story there, but we'll get to, into it into another time. Wait, I have, and, I have a
1: question: is is this wrestler is it WWE or AEW? I have friends trying to get me into AEW, so I'm trying to like learn and pick up everything. WWE, right WWE, WWE. Okay. He's got the big belt and everything. Okay. He's one, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so I finally
0: binged heels, which Steven is in, and he's like sitting at a table and like looking at his son. He's like such a good dad. And I sent him this voice note, and I was like, dude, when I met you, like we were like kids. Look at this. You're such a good dad. It's just it's so funny because it just feels like he was a million years ago. And You know, that's the, again, like, I guess everything I'm saying to you is it comes back to you go into something thinking it's going to be such a worky thing, but really just every, everything's made up of humans and you just kind of got to find your people and guard them fiercely. And then you never really know if you're going to know them forever.
1: Sometimes you do. This is why I love doing these interviews and having more time to like put this stuff out in the world. Because I'm a big believer that the positivity snowballs and spreads. Yeah. Star Wars Battlefront. Yes. What is it like getting attention and acclaim for something like a big, a big project, a big Star Wars project like that? I'm wondering if, if that kind of popularity in the game world winds up opening any doors for film and television, or if the mentality out there is just like two completely separate things and nothing impacts the other. So, oof,
0: we could talk about this forever. Um, there is still a pretty big divide in the two industries and how they think about development that is changing. Um, so I've been a hardcore gamer since 2007. I started gaming super late. I, uh, at this point, I also consult and direct in, uh, the, the games space as well. So it's a really big part of, of my life. Um, some of my dearest friends work in the games industry and, it the short version is this even though hollywood is kind of sees a divide the games industry doesn't need hollywood hollywood's going to
1: need the games industry trust i very much believe that i st- i want to see that wall come down the wall has come down between do don't, Romans- don't worry about it who cares who cares girl
0: nobody like Honestly, I could. I have such a chip on my shoulder about this because I'm so protective, so protective of game developers and everybody that works in the games industry. Because there is Hollywood is a hype machine. They have crafted a world of smoke and mirrors to make you think that it is some status symbol. It is not. We live in a capitalistic society where the metric of success is money. There is data that shows you who's got the power if you want to play by those rules. And quite honestly, again, the games industry is fine. The point is who cares about who cares about the divide? Like just let them, it doesn't matter. And also, the other thing you have to remember is Steven Spielberg had only film directors to look up to in terms of the medium of storytelling that he wanted to make to make stories in, to tell stories in. There are generations past him who grew up playing games. They know that they can express their feelings and the stories that they have in their bodies through an interactive medium. There is so much good stuff coming from the developers who haven't been named yet. There is no problem here.
1: Not to go off track. Star Wars (laughs) VR. Right. but star, star wars, wars though star, star, star wars. wars vr i think has been yeah. one of like the best examples of something that blended uh you know cinematic storytelling with uh, a gaming platform and that kind of format as well and like vader immortal was just the most effective uh you know immersive experience that also added to the lore i kind of want to see more stuff like that yeah i want to see all
0: that kind of stuff i want to see more experiences created within the void. I want yes. more escape rooms, I want all of I want give it all to me put it in my head.
1: <laughs> Not really going off track again but the the one the one experience type thing that I want to come back is there used to be out in LA a thing you could sign up for where you would go and stay on a campground and they would make it like a slasher movie and the point would be to survive the night. Dude, what is that? I can't believe I can't remember what the name of the event was. It's like slasher
0: movie LARPing. Yeah. Do you have to play, do you have to come as an archetype?
1: I don't, I don't think they require, I think you, you kind of like rent a tent and then there's a point, like you survive, you're playing a game, but then all throughout the night it's like, don't go to sleep or like someone will like come bang on your tent or something. I want to do that. That sounds fun
0: as hell. Comic-Con used to have the zombie run. There's like, there's like baby baby versions of these things but that sounds super dope
1: another video game question for you because you're also in the borderlands movie so with everything that you just explained regarding games versus hollywood what is something that they're doing on the borderlands movie story-wise that really excites you and also just the way that they're approaching the production and kind of respecting what the games world brings to the film now
0: Mm mm-hmm um well, I can say this. The production design and the art direction alone is so close to the game. You can't believe they put this much love and attention into the details. I came in with my arms crossed, like, you better do it right. Because I'm here to call bullshit. And I it's like they went, they went hard. Um they, they really they really meant it, even down to our costumes, the color that, you know, just like getting the colors of everything right. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of love that 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 went into the production. And then, you know, and then a lot of people from Gearbox got to be there. So the thing that's wonderful is when you get to see a dev walk around and pick up something that they created digitally. I mean, come on, that's like that's the kind of really special stuff that I just love watching come to fruition. If
1: only they would put that in the B-roll so I could witness it when it comes out. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I hope they do. Yeah, I'm sure they'll do something like that. I'm sure they will. I'm literally the only person sitting on EPK and watch, EPK TV and watching B-roll over and over again.
0: That's not, tr- no, no, there's gotta be, there's gotta be, God, I love that stuff, I love it. Well, the, you know, the thing is that all that stuff lives on people's social media that's, now.
1: Uh, that's a very you know, good point, actually. That is true. Before we get to Big Sky, I have a morning show question for you. Sure. Morning show was just nominated for a bunch of globes
0: this morning. I don't even know all of them. But I just found out before I signed on that there's like multiple nominations. I love it. Tis the season. Congratulations, friends. Okay.
1: What is it like... Working alongside Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, where they're not just headlining the show, but they're also executive producing it. Can you feel the difference when the number ones on the call sheet are also involved in that capacity? Yeah, you can feel it. But the great thing is that both of them have been doing this for so
0: long. It's not a case of, oh, gosh, I, it's my first thing. And then I'm also having to do both. There's, it's just very um, natural for them. You know, they have been titans for decades. So it's, uh, it's it's very fluid.
1: I like hearing that. I would believe that with the two of them. All right, Big Sky, how do you go on to score a role like Ren? Is it a situation where they come to you with an audition or an offer? Or are you aware of Big Sky and kind of seeking it out? I got a call that the, yeah, this was
0: an offer. And um, Elwood, the showrunner, wanted to get on the Zoom and chat and it was happening pretty quickly. So I sat here on, in the same place I am right now with you on this same exact laptop. And he talked to me about her funny thing. She was like, I know you're gonna ask me like, who is she like, you're gonna ask me about this character, but the truth is like, I don't really know. My process is I like to find actors and I like to collaborate with them and I like to write for them. And I was like, (laughs) mm-hmm. Speaking my language, sir. So uh, he told me that she came from a crime family. I suddenly saw the opportunity to work with actors that are friends of mine and uh, have a a group of brown people that were just terrible people. And that is something that we don't get to do often. And that was very exciting to me.
1: (laughs) I have so many follow-ups. Okay, so you said that the... uh the writers like to write for the actor, they wind up getting cast in the role. How yeah. Did,
0: yeah, that's Elwood, Elwood Reed is the showrunner and he told me that's his process, yeah.
1: For that, that process, what does that afford you kind of during the season? Like you plan it before you jump on set to tackle the character, but were you able to see that evolve throughout the season as you explored her more and more? Well,
0: I I told him I, I didn't want to play a sort of like Nikita, femme Nikita thing, like slinky, slinky, I'm not doing it. He's like, I don't want to do that either. I was like, great. Uh, and then he said that she came from this family. I was like, does she want the throne? And he was like, I think probably. I was like, great, that's a super objective I can play. So, you know, you go in kind of having an uh, an overarching goal because you don't know what's gonna happen, but you do know that no matter what happens, she wants that thing over there and um and then yeah, and then you know i had i s i had the script- first script, so I had two scenes, and I felt like i knew who she was based on that, so I had the getting off the plane scene and and quite honestly it was i think it was the line uh, how do I look? Come on, Donna. You have to tell me the truth. Do I look hot? Like, I just love the idea that there was a girl that was like, okay, shut up, shut up. Just tell me, like, do I look hot though? Like, that's what I need to know. Yes or no. Very simple. You know, I just, I <laughs> was so, um, it was just very exact. Uh, and I, I know that weirdo and, um, yeah. And I, I just like that. She's a little
1: weirdo. You know, set the tone so fast. <laughs> I loved it when you went in. Was there any uh, thought that it might just be a half-season character? Because season one kind of set that expectation for me. I thought that your story was going to be something that concluded at the uh, the mid-season finale, but that's not the case. That's the appropriate response to that. <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised, though, this season to see that format change up a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Elwood took over, I think, uh, I don't know when he took over, but he took over last year. So then, you know, that that the ship starts being, the, the course of the ship starts resetting once you have a new showrunner, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, let's talk spoilers for the end of, uh, I guess let's go for... Let's make this open-ended here. Okay. Is there any, is there, because it's a, it's a very fun role that feels very purely you and you've already kind of conveyed that it's a collaborative nature on set. So is there any particular scene throughout the, uh, the first eight episodes that you got to play around with the most or workshop the most?
0: (laughs) Anytime you see Ryan Onan, who plays Dono, um, he is also a writer producer on the show. So he and I are changing a lot often. Um, we, (laughs) you never really know how much you're going to get away with, but the first thing that we shot together was this, this thing in the car. My first episode is the second episode. Tanya's in the back. I'm like, we, there are no lines in the, there's no lines in the scene. And I look at him and I just kind of like motion to my seatbelt, like, put your seatbelt on. And he said, it's itchy on my neck. I... And they kept it in the episode. I was like, oh, y'all, if you're going to just let us say things and you're going to keep it in the episode, we're just going to do that forever. So I think my favorite thing that stayed was pretty recent. So I stab a guy in the back. He goes down. And then we kind of look at each other. And then I go, you thirsty? And he goes, maybe some milk. And then I just go and fight him not on the page. We just kind of did it. Uh, so that's basically it. Anytime you see the two of us in a scene together, we're pretty much making it up. (laughs) Adding things. I should say
1: adding things. All very memorable moments. When I started that question, my mind immediately went to the scene with you, you, Jenny and Popperneck in the trailer in episode seven. And you are just like on fire in that scene. The time. I haven't even tone. seen it yet.
0: I haven't even seen it yet, but that was, that was our, this last week, right? Yeah. 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 Very, yeah. I have to watch very, it. Very, very good scene. Oh yeah. They let me change that too. They, they let me change a, well, a thing that happens that's kind of funny is that, um, directors the the okay how do I make this how do I say this concisely editor um the thing about working in television is that the director comes in for one episode so they don't have a ton of backstory about character etc they're just like trying to keep the train on the track and shoot it fast enough and um so in this show in particular more than a few times the director has come up to me and given me a direction where they don't understand that this girl is very specifically a weirdo and she's doing different things in almost every episode. She's trying different things on different people. And uh, and I think it was, people were very confused as to what I was doing, but I was like, she just hasn't played dumb and nice before. So she's just trying that, you know? Um, the thing that they let me say in that scene, which was not on the page was, um, you want to cuff me? Did that make it to air? It did make it to air. Yes!
1: <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> job, job very well done. Oh, thanks, dude. Thank you. Okay, so so speaking about playing around so much from episode to episode with the character, what what happens to her when her brother steps into the picture? Because it seems to me like she gets away from the family and she can almost, you know, be whoever she wants to be to a degree and play around. But when he comes in, it's almost like it sucks the air out of the room. So what were some of your goals in terms of changing how she carries herself when he steps in?
0: I think a lot of people out there have family politics that they have to fend for themselves within. And we go off and we create our own lives and, and um, find our people. And then when the people that we grew up with show up, it can really darken the environment and um she's under a lot of pressure and we're gonna learn a lot about what she's dealing with outside of Helena through JAG.
1: I am very excited about that that's kind of what I was hoping to hear. I have kept you way too long if you have another five minutes we always end ladies night with a second game. Okay. It is it's fun it's silly questions it's Would You Rather. They are all filmmaking related. All right. First one here. Would you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene? Fake sneeze. Can you do a convincing fake sneeze? <laughs> oh, all right. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you pulled it off. I always, I always thought that vomit was gross, but then I thought fake sneezing is incredibly difficult to make. Seem off try to do a fake vomit right now.
0: It makes you actually want to vomit it's a terrible place to have to go
1: yeah i i don't think i would want either because i would suck at both of them would you rather have to run a lot in a scene or eat a lot in a scene
0: do you have to actually eat you can have the spit bucket option if you want no eat then if i gotta if i can spit then fine Now I just made it too easy. Yeah, I know. You
1: gave gave me a caveat. (laughs) I was like, where's the loophole? Where's the loophole? Would you rather have to fake wake up in a scene or fake drive in a scene? I
0: mean, I've fake driven so many times. Um, Fake. Even that thing I told you about the seatbelt thing, that was fake driving. Um, Fake wake up or fake drive. I mean, fake drive. Yeah. You got to make that one harder, girl
1: come I'm on a, i'm always watching people you know driving like no this it's terrible like that the entire time no
0: this thing is very dumb this thing that people do is very d- i don't understand i don't know under- I, th- I think it's just that when you are when you're in a scene where there's a really high intensity situation which is mostly what happens when you're driving in a scene you have to put the energy somewhere and it's very hard to just sit in one place and have that much energy coursing through you. So you end up starting to kind of do this. And it's just like, that's not what anybody does. Nobody, yeah, does, no. no human being does that.
1: No, no one should do that. <laughs> Would you rather have to nail something in one take or be required to do a hundred takes? Nail something in one. Yeah. Because I,
0: I love, I love the journey of practice. Um, because I, probably because I grew up playing classical music and there's like a beautiful journey of going from sucking to actually being able to do something well enough to perform it live once.
1: You can understand that mentality. I know what I want you to pick for this one. I'm curious if you do. You're in a, you're in a spy movie. Would you rather play? A James Bond-type character or an Austin Powers-type character? (laughs) Austin Powers. Yeah. A
0: thousand percent. Because the thing is that he thinks he's in a James Bond movie, right? So you get to play both.
1: (laughs) Yes. That is the right approach to that question. All right. I'll end on this one because I'm obsessed with horror movies. Would you rather play the killer in a slasher movie or get a really gnarly death scene? The killer.
0: For sure. Is it one that we get to meet, or is that, or is it one that just shows up?
1: As in, do we get to meet this person in the flesh? versus Yeah, like, like- are
0: we are we in American Psycho? Or are we in it? I mean, listen, you're talking to a genre girl, and I also write and write and make horror. So, like, I'm like, all right, well, which one are we doing? Are we doing like art house? Are we doing seventies? Are we doing like what are we doing?
1: i mean my my mind leans towards more classic slashers like okay. Pennywise, but I feel like both afford you the opportunity to to go big and show layers because Pennywise shows like quite a bit of what's lurking deep down throughout yeah. that those movies in the book, yeah um oh gosh, uh.
0: But if you're saying like one day of work, am I the killer or am I doing? Oh, no, like I'm talking about a whole film. Like a whole you are the ma-
1: you are the mastermind behind oh, the a slasher movie that no, could turn killer. into a franchise. Okay, yeah, the killer for That's sure. That's the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> right. I could I could talk to you about all of this all day long. I am going to let you go and say thank you for joining us for Ladies Night. Of course. Congratulations on Big Sky and thank everything you. you've accomplished so far. Thank I cannot so wait to see more.